Hey everyone, welcome to episode 73 of F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. This week's guest is Arpan Das. Man, thanks to our awesome, awesome, awesome Patreon supporters, um, especially Michael Howard, Chris Rice, uh, Perry Shilat, Jack Curran, and Eric Stensland. You guys are just sustaining the podcast, making a killing. Oh, it's so amazing to have guests that are just reaching out and and pledging money it's got to feel so good thank you all so much um this podcast really is for you guys the listeners so thank you um so yeah arpon das man we had a great conversation about all kinds of crazy stuff a lot of night photography related issues um what it's like you know the difficulty of being a landscape photographer right now and just how that's pushing people more and more to to do crazier and crazier stuff in post um and uh yeah what it's like to uh have your mood influence your photos i think you're gonna dig it enjoy all right well uh arpen das thank you so much for coming on to f-stop collaborate and listen thank you very much for having me actually i mean it's i'm actually apologizing for like it's really late for me i still remember you asked me in like january 15 or something like that (laughs) <laughs> and it's now in September, so it took me a long time. Initially, I was like surprised why Matt is asking me because there are so many great photographers doing this podcast, like Paul Zizka, or Miles Morgan, Michael Sandler. So I was like surprised. Uh, is this you? He wants me there. So. <laughs> you know. Yeah, man. I've been uh, I've been following your photography for a long time, and I really I really appreciate the work you do. So um, I don't know. Seemed pretty like pre- seemed like a pretty easy. Easy choice for me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me here. Hey, it's absolutely. A, well, I've been listening to a like, lot of your podcast, and it's really helpful to know what other people, like big photographers, they're thinking. And there are many I follow, like Fran Dare or Michael Semblam. So it's great to know what is their idea. Right. Yeah, no, I know. It's like, uh, for me, it's kind of a it's selfish a little bit because I get to talk to all these world class photographers and. I don't know. It's just, it's an amazing project. I'm so glad I started it. (laughs) So I just kind of wanted to start off. Um, I know that uh, you're originally from India and now you live in Canada. Um, I kind of wanted to just learn about what was that transition like for you and um, what it has, what has it been like for you um, as a, as someone from India living in North America? Yeah, that's like really different in terms of culture or food. But the good thing is I lived in Italy for two years before moving to Canada. So it helped me a lot, like living abroad and getting to know people from completely different culture. And thankfully, people here are really nice and the Canadian people, they're really friendly. So it is so far I'm enjoying the stay here. Not a problem. Only the winter, maybe it's really chilly. I'm from a city where... The average winter temperature is like plus 15 degrees Celsius and here it never goes to positive. So <laughs> yeah, I could, I could see that being a challenge. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise Canada is really, really nice also. Uh, I've been to states, not much, like two, three places, but it was really nice. Awesome. It's a great experience to be outside, yeah. Have you noticed any part of your cultural experience influencing your landscape photography experience? 
Mm, I'll say not much. Most of my influence and motivation, everything comes from the fact that I was a painter for a long time. A lot of people don't know about it. So I used to be a painter and I used to paint landscape mostly. And unfortunately, I had to leave because there was a certain point when I had to decide either I want a degree in arts or I want a degree in science. I cannot apparently do both. So I had to choose science over arts and it was really unfortunately painting, but still all the motivation is still there. Whenever I go out shooting, it still goes in my mind. I mean, if I was a painter, what I should do here, I mean, how I should do this painting, uh, what kind of like composition I should have used in my painting. So yeah, that's already there. Yeah. And I know you're not just uh, into any form of science, like you're, you're an astrophysicist um, and a cosmologist. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about what that's like. And uh, I, I'd really love to know how that has informed um, the type of photography that you pursue. Yeah, so that is a big influence of like me doing astrophotography. So if people have like watched my work, they know that I do both kind of like landscape or astrophotography. So yeah, I'm basically an astronomer. Like that is my primary job and photography is like just a passion or a big hobby. And yeah, so currently I'm studying like things like black holes or galaxies. Those are really cool stuff. Nice. Probably I should not talk about them here. I'll Otherwise I'll just spend one hour talking about like astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that has a big influence on me, like going out in the night and shooting like sky. I still want to do deep sky astrophotography, like capturing the nebula some other galaxies but i still didn't do it sometime some other time but yeah otherwise i mean i like traveling traveling is like one of my biggest hobbies so and landscape photography goes i mean it's kind of excuse it gives kind of an excuse to travel a lot so that's really helpful for me absolutely well cool so um i one of the questions i have about someone who's so deeply rooted in science is um, how do you feel about um, the way that some photographers uh, present um, the night sky? Like, obviously, a lot of people are out there doing composites and, you know, showing the, the Milky Way in a scene where you're looking north and, you know, stuff that can't really be possible. So I'm curious from like a purely scientific perspective, does that stuff ever, ever rub you the wrong way? Or do you just kind of say, you know what, it's... It's art and who cares or, or are you somewhere in between? Yeah, that's a really great question, actually. And, and just like a couple of weeks back, I was a disc, I was having a discussion with like another photographer, Yuri Beletsky. Yeah, 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 yeah. Russia and he's like me, he's an astronomer and he's also a photographer. And we are discussing like, I mean, we are seeing a lot of people like manipulating Milky. That's fine until you like write a note that, okay, this is a digital art. The Milky Way was not there, but I just presented how it should look like with the Milky Way. That's fine, but it's I don't know. I really kind. I really feel kind of it's offending if you put a Milky Way like a place where it doesn't belong, and then don't say anything and throw it in Facebook, and people like people believe that okay, there was a Milky Way. It's such a cool photo, but the problem is there are like hundred other dedicated astrophotographers out there. They are like doing a lot of efforts in the night just to get a perfect milky shot at a place and i feel like it's a it's like dishonoring them like for example i saw one shot of this uh, 
Meteor Shower this year, so it was not actually captured by him. I, I'm not going to say the name. So it's like two years back, and he just put the sky in a foreground and put it on Facebook, and people are like, wow, he got like 2K or 3K likes. And I was like, oh, my God, people are really believing that that's the real sky. <laughs> because the foreground is in winter, and he's apparently having perceived Meteor Shower. So I was like, no, that's not justice to the photographers who are waiting for like years just to get this person's material server. So yeah, that's, I don't think it's perfectly fine if you don't mention that you are manipulating the Milky Way. But if you say, okay, this is a digital art, okay, fine. That's fine for me. If you are happy, whatever you are doing, it's okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you. That's, I know we've talked about that a lot in the podcast lately, but uh, I, I think from a, I, I was really curious to hear your perspective as a scientist um, in terms of how you think. I guess I already missed like a lot of photographers from this podcast already <laughs> by saying that. Yeah. I don't know if they are in like the later part of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's, like I said, I think it's interesting to think about it from a, from a scientific perspective. Like there is... For me, anyway, there there is some aspect of photography that, especially landscape photography, that's it's kind of you're kind of honoring the tradition of like you know you're going out into these locations, you're wanting to show the best the best of that how of the, that location has to offer. Um, but from a you know like yeah, the Milky Way and the Perseids are actually there versus what you're seeing people do now, where they're just like every single Milky Way photo now isn't complete without at least one meteor in it, which is just ridiculous because... Yeah, and the surprising fact is, I, I mean, how many people actually believe those images? Like, I just throw an image in Facebook, like there are three horses in France and then there is a Milky Way and saying, just for sarcasm, like, uh, this is the project we are doing with Yuri, like shooting Milky Way where it doesn't belong and... I saw surprising a lot of people are commenting, oh, it's a lovely image and that's a nice Milky Way. They didn't realize that it's completely fake. So it's such an easy job to fake people, like give fake images and make people believe that it's actually real. So, um, Well, so maybe that's a good segue. Let's talk about um, one of the topics that you wanted to talk about, which I think has a lot of extensions into what we just mentioned is how difficult it is today to be a landscape photographer and stand out from the crowd. Yeah, that's a I mean, great topic to discuss. And I was discussing with a lot of photographers. Like, for example, if I go to Dolomites and I shoot something and post on Facebook, my question is to myself that why people will like this image, why people will see this image. They are seeing like 100 images every day from Dolomites. Why this is, this has to be different. So that's a question I always ask myself whenever I'm in the field shooting. So like, I asked myself, suppose there was another photographer beside me, but he should be thinking like what about composition or like the place and why I should be different from him to stand out from the crowd because it's difficult now. Every place is almost well-known. Like within one year, like Mark Adams went to some place and within one year, everybody is following him to be in this place and shooting the same, almost same composition. Right. So maybe a different eye, it's just little bit red or little bit blue, but that doesn't like make you really different. If you're talking about art, if you're talking about putting effort, that doesn't really make you like different from the other photographers. Right. So my suggestion is to ask yourself the first question, why it's 
so different why you are different from the other people like hundred other people why people will appreciate you are and one of the main thing is the composition because the way you see maybe the other people don't see the same things foreground elements and everything you are putting into your composition so that's one way to like be different yeah so what do you think i mean i think there's some people out there that are perfectly content not being different i don't think that's their their goal in photography to be different or to stand out they just want to you know they're just out there to have fun and get shots of beautiful locations um what do you think about that yeah as long as someone is enjoying whatever they're doing that's fine i mean some people just love traveling and probably shoot something while they're traveling that's fine to me and also like people are talking about single exposure versus multiple exposure so even i respect like people are doing single exposure and even one of my favorite photographers chris burkard he's quite amazing with like taking single exposure shot not much like photoshop or everything but again he is amazing in composition even if you see it see his images it's really different from other people so if someone is like just want to travel and have fun and shoot something that's perfectly fine but if you are want to be an artist and if you want to be really different if you want to present your art to people then i think you have to be a little bit different from like what other people are doing that's just my point of view many people might not agree it's <laughs> so I'm curious um in your quest to stand out from the crowd have you found yourself doing uh things with your images um that that might be um I guess you know questionable from a processing perspective or like have you found yourself pushing your images further and further to extremes yeah i mean I I have to admit I started with those crappy HDR softwares not with Photoshop and doing like HDR which is like completely unreal it looks at that time I was like having fun with them but later I realized what are those I was asking myself why I have done that I mean I cannot forget them like doing this it's completely crap and so yeah I sometimes push my limits I don't know what I'm doing but one of the good thing is it again comes from my painting like i used to tear apart my whole painting if i didn't like it and my mom used to ask like oh it was a nice painting why did you completely destroy it i say i don't like it i mean i don't know what is wrong with it i'll paint again so that's the same thing i do with photography i process everything and then show it to my friends they say it's amazing but to me it's like i have overdone it it's totally red or it, it was not like that the scene maybe it's too much and then i completely delete it and I don't edit the same photo within like next few days so I come back like after one week moving to another image and then come back and then start from the scratch and try to think what was the situation there so yeah I I'll agree that I use photoshop a lot but not for manipulating I'll say like enhancing things and yeah so that's the thing okay so um I guess one of the things I'm curious about like um as someone who shoots the dolomites a lot uh one of the trends that i see happening a lot with um popular mountain ranges you know directly related i think to what you're talking about in terms of um how difficult it is to stand out as a as an artist and as a photographer especially in this age of social media and limited uh you know people have limited um uh, attention spans and whatnot uh as people are you know taking 
the Dolomites and they're, you know, making them look bigger and taller and stretching them and accentuating the, you know, how, how big and impressive they look. I'm curious if you've ever found yourself doing that. And if so, why did you choose to do that? Yeah, actually, one of, I mean, the, my favorite Dolomite image is a blending of focal lengths. I already admitted that in the photo as well. So one of the things sometimes I don't like is about, I have only one lens, that's the wide angle, it's 1530 time run. So there was a question by one of the, I, I forgot that, I, I think it's Candy. Yeah, she was asking, what is the lens I use? So I have only one lens, that's the time run 1530 at the moment, and I used Rockin on 14 mm before. So I love that lens. And if you're looking for a wide angle lens, that's the lens you should pick. Or if you are a Nikon user, the Nikon 14 to 24 is a great lens. So Tamron 15 30 is the lens I have. So one of the problem is when you are shooting at 15 mm and you are really close to your foreground, the mountain looks really, really small. It's, <laughs> it's not the thing what you actually see. But again, if you use the focal length blending, then again, that's not the thing you are actually seeing so it's you have to counterbalance between them so either you choose to the scene to be like with the small mountain that's fine but if you want you can make the mountain bigger i don't do like warping i know a lot of photographers like stays the mountain that's not what i used to do so what i do is like i shoot the foreground with 15 mm and then shoot the mountain at 24 mm so that it looks a little bit bigger and then blend them so sure yeah i did that with few of the Dolomite images, I, I should be honest. I mean, so, yeah. But that's not the real scene. I should agree with them. It's not what you actually see. So is your, your intention of using focal length blending is to present a more realistic version of the scene that you saw? Yes. I'll say close to realistic. It's still not realistic, but it's as close as, as I can get. Sometimes I, I mean, I don't want to make them as big as the Himalaya because I know how Dolomite <laughs> is compared to the like the Himalayan range, but yeah, still it's not the closest, but it's close. I'll say it's closer to the real scene. Right, right. No, I totally, I totally get that. I, I used to dabble in focal length blending, and um, I'm sure I'll do it a little bit in the future. But uh, for the most part, I don't do that myself anymore, just because I'm lazy. I think more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can definitely get some pretty cool results doing focal length blending. I think it's it's easy to go over the top, though. <laughs> yeah, and also, I mean, sometimes my mountain is the main subject. I don't want my viewers to, like, just look at the foreground. Oh, the flowers are beautiful. But that's not only the, the only subject. So if I make the mountains really small, like, they, they'll look into it, but it's not the it's not stand out as the main subject. So that's why sometimes I use focal length blending. Right. So one of the things I noticed about your portfolio of images is that you have a lot of um, night photography and a lot of grand scenic landscapes with that kind of classic um, huge foreground elements and then the huge kind of uh, background element like the like you were talking, the flowers and the mountains. Um, but you don't do a lot of um, um, abstract work. I'm curious if, if that interests you at all and if... Yeah. Um, if, yeah so yeah, go for it. Oh, like... I know one of my favorite photographers is obviously Guy Tell or uh, yeah. of course Alex Noriega. He's amazing. He's and they are doing like crazy stuff with the zoom lens, like capturing abstracts from desert or uh, like the playa. And I was like, 
completely amazed like wow how can they do that they are landscape photographs and they see things like that so i want to do that i want to buy a zoom lens at some point and do this kind of stuff and they are really inspiring so yeah abstract from landscape getting abstracts from landscape is really cool. amazing research and really admire their work especially gaita and alex noriega they are my favorites yeah i i i kind of started dabbling in it myself about 2 years ago and it's 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 like a total different mentality because you don't see things the same way like it's like your eye i don't know if if you're used to seeing grand scenics like your eye doesn't necessarily see it 200 mm very well so it's very it's so, hard to compose <laughs> yes that's hard to compose yeah i truly agree and you i think they have a special eye i mean you need a special eye to look into these things because i have been into forest many times and i all look just a small flower standing out from like i've seen people capturing like it's completely like covered with leaves and there is one flower standing out from the leaves and it looks amazing like an abstract like candy seed does a lot of these things and it amazes me like why i didn't see so maybe she has a different eye than me <laughs> well i'm sure i'm sure she does <laughs> Yes, yeah, so she is also amazing photographer. I really admire her. So. Yeah, so um, let's talk a little bit about uh, astro trackers. Um, is that is that something that's a big part of your workflow now? Yeah, so you mean the tracker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I recently bought a tracker because I know how to use it because I do astronomy. So I was always wondering what should my Milky Way look if I use a tracker instead of just taking it. like 30 second exposure because i you know all the like the nasa images you will see in the website they are like a stack of 200 or 300 images and that's why they are so crisp and clear so i bought a tracker like this summer and probably that is one of the coolest thing i ever bought it's completely changed my photography but again one thing i've noticed that people use tracker once their lifetime they get one milky way perfect and they blend it everywhere I don't like that so I went to like six or seven places this year including California Arizona and few of the local places with my friends and tried to capture the milky way panorama with the tracker and it was successful I had like six or seven panoramas with the tracker and it's perfect yeah, yeah tracker is a really nice thing and if you, someone is into astrophotography this would definitely be right yeah they're they're a lot of fun to use uh, my friend Kane had one a couple of years ago when we were shooting and love he let me use it and It's they're they're pretty fun if you can get them set up correctly and um get them aligned to pol- Polaris and all that. Um yeah. Dude, I totally hear what you're saying about reusing uh the same tracked m- Yeah, so I've seen people captured what tracked Milky Way so and they're using it everywhere with different foregrounds. So my suggestion is don't do that because even if you are not shooting the Milky Way just doing the stargazing is amazing. It's like a different experience. You people who are into the mountain in the night they'll know what it looks like to look at the sky in the night so go with a even if you have a tracker or not just go out with, in the field with your camera or without the camera and do the star gazing it's amazing yeah absolutely man i i was just uh this past weekend i was at um uh maroon lake and crater lake here in colorado and um i was playing around with my new 15 mm f2 lens and shooting the milky way reflected in the water it was A lot of fun man it's uh it's addicting <laughs> yeah it's really addicting to go out in the night one thing one problem with the tracker is 
if you are taking a, like a two minute or three minute exposure there, if you are in a place where there are other photographers, they will turn their headlamp on or something in between and your image is completely destroyed. And if you are taking a panorama within two minutes, the Milky Way shifts. So you have to start probably from the beginning and you have only like one hour and half an hour to shoot the complete Milky Way. And I had a crazy experience in like California. I was in Joshua Tree National Park and there was a family they were doing stargazing and apparently they had their headlamps on so i asked them why are you turning your headlamp you can see the star it's quite amazing in the dark and they were really rude to me like saying uh, it's not your place I, we have came here before why don't you move oh my gosh and i was like oh my god why are you so rude like, anyway i was just waiting like i thought maybe they'll move and they had two small children and apparently just when the milky way was rising they were moving and I was honest with them. I told them, why are you moving? There's the Milky Way. I mean, the most amazing magic is going to happen now. And they are like, oh, it's funny because they thought I'm making fun out of them. But Jeez. I was telling them there's the Milky Way now. And it's funny. So, yeah. That's... so I had to go back to the same place again the next day just to shoot the foreground and the Milky Way because they were not moving and they were turning the hell down. <laughs> <laughs> that's frustrating man i've had that happen to me a few times uh so it's one of the reasons why i like to just go in the middle of nowhere where no one knows where i'm at <laughs> i don't mind people doing stargazing i mean everyone should do it but it's stupid to turn on your headlamp while you are doing stargazing. the light doesn't go to the stars so why are you turning it on? yeah i don't think people understand how 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 your eyes um the sensitivity to light changes it takes about what like three or four minutes for your eyes to adjust to, to actually see yeah. the stars in complete darkness. Well, another topic I wanted to um, talk to you about um, how your mood and thinking influences your photography, because I think a lot of uh, landscape photographers can kind of resonate with that. And I'm curious, how does that, how does that work out for you when you're in the field? Like how does it change the way you take photos and you maybe process photos? Yeah, so yeah, my mood influences my photography a lot. Though people, I am really like a lot of the time, I'm really funny or doing, making jokes and everything. But if I'm really angry or sad at something, I'll not let people know that I am. But it actually like affects my images and everything. So I'll probably not shoot at that time. I'll just enjoy the nature and try to lighten up my mood. And it helps actually. So when I see amazing sunset i forget everything why i was angry and that actually helps me a lot same thing goes with processing if i'm like really depressed or something which is really rare but i'll stop completely processing because that affects my processing and i don't know what i'm doing so that was actually happened in i was depressed from some reason from february to may like and i left everything from related to photography and everything so yeah a lot of people don't know and i went to with my friend Kayla to Glacier and she was like asking me how can how can you be so calm all the time when your photographs is so moody and everything and I said yeah I, I just don't let people know if I'm sad or angry <laughs> that's me have you have you noticed at all um, that a certain type of mood um, creates better images yeah especially during the sunrise so when I wake up during the morning, I, I don't have anything in my mind. So it's completely refreshed. I'm in like a really good mood. So 
that's why I like shooting sunrise. Always sunrise is always probably the best time in the day, and I like the transition from like from the night to the day, and especially during the golden hour. So that helps me a lot. So waking up in the morning and go out for sunrise. Sunset is always nice, but sometimes yeah, I have to do a lot of work during the whole day and a lot of stress from study and everything. And those like in my mind when I'm shooting sunset, uh, I'm not feeling nice let's stop shooting and go back home take rest so that's a different shooting like that's a difference between shooting sunrise or sunset for me yeah that influences my photography a lot so yeah i like what you said about having a clear mind um because i find that um when i don't have a clear mind and i'm out taking photos uh, oftentimes those those photos don't turn out very well for whatever reason like i'm not in like a zen state you know what i mean like yeah exactly that's the thing like i just shoot and then come back and then i ask myself and this is not even good this is not even in my standard what i want to shoot out of what i wanted from the place so i eventually delete them and if it is a place where i can go back i'll try to go back again that happened when i stayed in italy and i used to go to a place for a sea so the good thing about Italy, the sea and mountain, everything is really close to you. So whatever you want, you can just go like one hour or half an hour. So there was a sea and sometime I used to go there in a bad mood, came back with bad images and I used to <laughs> myself, okay, next day I'll go back again and probably shoot something nice. And that actually helped. Yeah, I came back with some of the nice images. Yeah, have you ever um, like... Have you ever intentionally tried to clear clear your mind or your emotions before a photo shoot? Yeah, so once, I mean, sometimes there is like completely crazy sunset going on and I'm in a really bad mood. Then I'll say to myself, okay, let's forget everything. I have to shoot this sunset. It is not coming back again tomorrow for me. So <laughs> I mean, nature doesn't follow your mood. No, it doesn't. <laughs> like, probably this is the only sunset in this year in that place. So if you... If you are musing and there is no excuse in photograph, you cannot tell people, okay, there was an amazing sunset, but I was in a bad mood. No, nobody will care. I mean, it's your mood. You have to lighten your mood. And if you miss a sunset, it's up to you. So yeah, I tell myself, okay, let's forget everything. Shoot the sunset for now. And then probably think when I go back home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool, man. So um, I, wanna, I want to... Uh, Give us some time for you to answer some listener questions <laughs> yeah, from the uh, from the from the Facebook group for the podcast. And uh, there's some pretty funny ones in here that I think um, might get people to chuckle. But uh, I first wanted to just um, ask a couple of the more serious questions um, from from Kayla Sulak, um, who I know you just got done shooting with. Um, yeah, so, she is uh, a nice friend. Yeah, she asked a couple of questions. Yeah, so the first question she has, which, you know, I think can go in a lot of different directions, but I'm curious from your personal perspective, um, what comprises a strong composition to you? Yeah, so that's, um, I mean, in my photographic composition is the most important thing. And uh, as I said, I used to be a painter and I used to follow painters like Albert Bierstadt. So if people don't know him, they should definitely watch his work because he painted a lot of famous American landscape like Mount Rainier or Yellowstone, Glacier National Park, and they're quite amazing. And 
his composition and everything that was quite amazing so that is always my motivation so when i go to a field i even if there is a nice sunset going on i'll not just take out my camera and shoot and because my answer to be myself will be there is another photographer just beside me he's shooting the same thing and he'll post it in like it's the same work i'm doing so that's not what i follow so i used to follow like finding something really interesting in the foreground maybe a flower or something really close with where i can like put my camera and it's like my foreground it can lead the line it's called the leading line a lot of photographers are using that so that's the thing so flowers are actually really cool or like my recent image from canadian rockies there are like ice bubbles and everything so those are the things i look for so there are different compositional things i follow so the first the first thing is the leading line so it should so if there is a mountain there should be something which is leading to the mountain and yeah it's easier said than done yeah. sometimes <laughs> yeah. then there is the s line which a lot of people do so if there is a river or a small stream going that helps like a s curve and it goes to the mountain leads the viewer's eye to the mountain and there are a lot of things like the reflection sometimes the foreground element reflects the sky and that actually happened to one of my dolomites image the sky was the cloud was like completely u and then there the foreground flowers there was just like the inverted shape of the cloud so that's really interesting and i found them luckily yeah so yeah i always look for like really different composition one of the one of my favorite images from dolomites is with the wild flowers people i mean when i was there it was just raining and just when the rain stopped i saw there is a cave which is really famous and i saw like 10 photographers they crowded inside the cave so they're shooting the almost the same composition so i said no i'm not going there because there is no point there are 10 people and they will shoot the same thing i'll be just the 11 people shooting the same thing so as walking around looking for flowers and i saw there's a like a really nice branch of flowers and there was a really nice sunset going on and i immediately saw that and that stand out like people say it's one of the best i i don't think it's one of the best but it, still it's something different from the players like crazy man so there you go that has me a lot so cool my suggestion is find foreground element or whatever when if you're shooting with a wide angle lens yeah just ask yourself that why your compositions different from other yeah and like i said i think sometimes that's really hard to do with a wide angle lens cuz it's like it it picks yeah. up so much in the frame it's yeah The thing is the sunset or sunrise it's really fast they don't stop for you so <laughs> i can go like one or two hours before the sunset to the place scout for the like where i want to shoot like this thing happened to also in the glacier when we reached it was almost the sunset and i couldn't find a foreground i just had the sunset and i was really depressed like oh my god that was a really nice sunset and then i went back to the same place two days later and i was like three hours before the sunset there and i scouted lot of places and found oh my god there are so many wild flowers stream everything fountain so scouting is always useful for composition absolutely so another question from Kayla um which i think is a great one is um how has your style and vision progressed since you first picked up photography yeah so i started with everything so when i was in india my father bought me a camera we are doing a trip in india and he bought me a camera and i didn't know what to shoot so i started with everything like macro 
like landscape. I didn't like portrait that much. So I'll not say I did try portrait. Maybe some portraits of my friends if they ask, but not like putting a lot of time in portrait. So that was the thing. And then I moved to Italy. And when I saw the Alps and I told myself, okay, this is the, I want to do landscape because this is quite amazing. I and mean, I've never seen something, a mountain, something like that. I've been to Himalaya, but that was when I was really like in my childhood and I don't remember exactly how amazing that was, but yeah, so mountain and sea, they, they are amazing. And I told myself, okay, I want to shoot landscape, nothing else. And astro is always there because I'm astronomer. So yeah, I like astrophotography as much as I like the landscape. So these are the two things. And as far as my style is concerned, so I started with everything like doing really hard HDR. It's looked completely black and then <laughs> really nice highlight. At that time, it looked nice to me, but then I realized, no, this is not the thing. And slowly it evolved. And a lot of people actually help, um, especially like looking at photographers like Ryan Dare, Ted Gore, Alex Noriega. Miles Morgan, he's a great motivation. He's a nice guy who helps a lot if you email him something like, I don't know what to do with this image and he'll reply like within one day, you should do this image. He's a really nice guy. For sure. Okay, this one's a, <clears throat> this one's a more kind of funny, tongue-in-cheek question, but I think it's worth <laughs> it's worth asking. Uh, how do you, this is from uh, Bruce Couch. <laughs> how do you, how how can he become a Canadian citizen? <laughs> That's really funny. So <laughs> the thing in Canada is actually people say, I mean it's famous for they are apologizing for the mistake they never did like it actually happened I stepped my foot on a like a lady in the bus and she apologized to me and I I just came to Canada. I was like, what? I was supposed to be apologized. And then I realized, okay, this is, these are the Canadian people. They're too nice to every. They're saying sorry everywhere, like in the office. So that's rule number one for him. And they will say thank you to for like nothing. Even if you like see, probably instead of saying good morning, they'll prefer to say you thank you. So that's in Canada. And they drink a lot of maple syrup. <laughs> maple <laughs> syrup? <probably> <laughs> Wherever you go, that's like the iconic thing from Canada. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> if Bruce can follow those three, he'll be a Canadian. All right, there you go, Bruce. Just drink lots of maple <laughs> syrup and say sorry to everyone. You're good to go. <laughs> All right, man. Um, so um, I have two more questions for you. Uh, the first mm-hmm. one is um, based on the name of the podcast, F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. What advice do you have for other landscape photographers? Uh, for other landscape photographers, yeah, I, it's not a like advice. I'll request. I've seen like a lot of people are fighting on social media, bashing each other's work. So stop doing this and enjoy your work, appreciate others' work. It's you don't have to fight with other people, especially in terms of workshop or everything. I'm, it's unfortunate like so many nice photographers I know they just post like one image per year and do like six or seven workshops that's fine but they're bashing other people that's not really nice I don't like it everyone has their own style and if you don't like it just probably skip it or say nicely to them not like completely bashing so that's one of the thing and enjoy your like going out don't stop what you're like following 
sometimes it happens like for six months you are not getting a nice image it happens to me for sure i'm not producing a great image it's art so don't give up like do something else watch movie or something completely different from photography then come back to your photography ask yourself what was the wrong thing you are doing with your like processing or capturing and then try to overcome those mistakes it helps a lot to me and probably other landscape photographs definitely yeah man trial and, and error <laughs> yeah help other people so one of the thing i wanted to bring here so i raised a campaign actually for kela so she is a good friend of me mine and she is using a really old like sony camera and i used to i just wanted to like raise a campaign to help her getting a good camera and so that's in facebook if someone wants to donate just do that otherwise just keep it it's fine i mean it's not compulsory but i mean if someone can donate 10 dollar and 100 people can donate it can change someone else's dream so yeah you go there it's but it's not compulsory it's thing so if you are not doing that i'm saying you should help other people like if someone sends you a picture asking like uh, like do you like the editing just don't some people will not reply that's not really nice because you had to start at that point you have to remember that you started at that point sometime now you are famous but that's fine but you have to remember there are a lot of people like following you you are the role model to them actually happened to me i used to him like message a lot of people like what is wrong with me my image can you tell me they didn't reply <laughs> and like after two years the same people asking me like what kind of post processing you used and that was like surprising now you were asking me but look back two years back i was asking the same person so yeah help them then i mean it happens to me like uh, people like michael simblam or ander comments in my image it, it's like a inspiration so if you can just go there like the image and tell them nice thing because probably many people are following you they you are their role model so if you just give them a okay it's a nice image they, they will be really inspired so it takes like one minute yeah so. no doubt and i don't know me personally like I, i you know i like you know positive feedback but i also like getting um constructive criticism like yeah that's that's always useful i i mean i ask people like what is wrong with my image if they say um, i mean i also take advice from the people who are not into photography because they are my right. viewers if someone come they don't like it i'll go back and ask myself why they don't like it i mean there are people who, who say okay they don't understand no they understand they are your viewers you have if you are posting in facebook and if someone is commenting then you have to take that advice and you have to ask yourself why they are not liking it and probably you will find the way so just don't like say that oh i am a big photographer and i don't care what people are saying it's my art so why are you posting on facebook if you don't care about people? right just keep it so yeah i think sometimes um at least personally i sometimes you almost have to ask the 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 right questions to get the, that kind of feedback you know like instead of saying like oh do you like it or i think sometimes you have to yeah. say like please tell me what you don't like about this image yes, exactly so that's what i send to like my favorite photographers like asking just tell me if if it is wrong just tell me i'll not feel bad i'll try again and they actually do okay this is the wrong thing you did like it's too much over saturated or something like that and that helps me a lot i don't take criticism like in a negative way if someone say bad i'll ask myself i will not say like okay i'm a big photographer i don't care right well and if anyone's interested i mean uh, one of the reasons why i created the facebook group for the podcast is that is for people to be able to post their images there 
and ask for a very specific um, critique. So. Yeah, so I, just, uh, I, I was at it last night, so, but I saw there are so many good images and people are actually asking for advices and there are a lot of great photographers like Alex Mail or Edin Babnik, they are giving advices. So those advices are really like precious. For me, if Erin is saying something, that's that means a lot. So I'll suggest people to post in this kind of group and first make sure that you can take criticism. So don't <laughs> right. post for like like pat on your back. If you don't want that, don't post. If you want to know what is wrong with your image, that's a really great group with a lot of great photographers. I'll suggest people to post there and ask. Yeah, I've I've seen people leave like, you know, multiple paragraphs of feedback for people and I think that's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's really nice. I saw Alex comment today and it was really nice feedback actually from him. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting you get uh, three or four people that, you know, they have different perspectives about what they like and don't like about an image. Yeah, that, that also I study like from the comments, like what photographers are actually thinking and that helps me like in the field okay so suppose and um, abcd he was there he commented once that he doesn't like this kind of light so probably he will shoot something else so yeah that kind of helped me and others perspective is always important yeah absolutely um cool man so who do you think would be cool to to hear on the podcast so i have kind of like couple of the name and one of the name is Noel Kasaje. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing right, but he's, oh, yeah. I think he's doing a lot of amazing job. I'm, I'm a big fan of his photography recently and he's really nice. So if you can have him, it will be really great. And then there is another Canadian female photographer. He's Catherine. I forgot her surname. So it's with S. I can send you the name anyway, but she's also really nice doing adventure kind of photography in Rockies or British Columbia. And yeah, another name will be from Italy. He's Bruno Pisani. Okay, He's doing, yeah. yeah. So these are the people you should probably bring to your podcast. Cool, man. Well, awesome. Well, man, it's been really fun. Um, I think mm-hmm. we uh, covered a lot, of, a lot of ground in a short amount of time. So well, thanks to Arpan Das for taking the time to visit with us on the podcast. You can check out the liner notes on my blog at www.mattpainphotography.com for tons of links to the topics we discussed, including a link to the Astro Tracker that he uses to get those crisp Milky Way photos. Um, wow, thanks to everyone who has uh, been writing reviews about the podcast on iTunes. It really does help people discover the podcast. Seriously, no joke. Um, And when you leave a five-star review, I get to thank you on the show. Speaking of which, thanks to scoil0825 for their amazing five-star review of the podcast on iTunes. Thank you so much. Well, as you guys know, I I really do bust my ass every week to bring you this show. Sometimes the episodes are awesome, sometimes they're okay. But uh, I'm trying to do them every single week. And so I'm really thankful for the generous support that you guys are giving me on Patreon. Um, If you're interested, you can support the show also by visiting patreon.com slash fstopandlisten. This week, we have a bonus episode available only on uh, Patreon. um, And we talk about focus stacking, exposure blending, and reality in landscape photography. 
I hope you'll tune in. And thanks to our newest patrons, uh, Des Perros, uh, Scotty Perkins, love that guy, uh, Michael Rhino, thanks for your awesome engagement on Twitter, by the way, and Ken Kelcherman's a longtime member of the Facebook group. Thanks, you guys. You guys are an inspiration. Um, drop me a line about the podcast. I'm looking for some suggestions on some more controversial topics that we could do a panel discussion about. Um, and maybe even if you have ideas of who could fulfill those roles on the podcast, that would be super helpful. So reach out to me on social media or on my website, Matt Payne Photo, Matt Payne Photography. Thanks for listening.